listening to The Edge, everything bass fishing, coming to you worldwide from Megawind Keelguard Studios. Bass Edge Radio, Aaron, here we go. The March 15 edition, excited to kick off another show, my friend. Absolutely, and as always, brought to us by our great friends in Ogden, Utah, and that would be none other, Megaware. And uh, certainly the first do-it-yourself keel protector, the battery guard, which we spent a little time on last episode talking about. But uh, all those things need to be checked out at keelguard.com. Kurt, you are preparing to leave Lake Belton, if I remember correctly. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. going to go fish a little derb up at uh, Lake Belton there near Waco area before I head off to the uh, James River. So, uh, yeah, man, things are kicking off. I'm excited about the progression. Man, I'm excited about DIY, bro. Let me just tell you a quick story real okay. quick, okay? A DIY meaning Yeah, like do fishing. it yourself. Okay. Yeah, no, no, no. You, well, kind of like prepping, like maintenance, right? Do you know, taking your boat to a dealership or or your truck to get an oil change or get some of these things, you know, you're on the road, you got to make sure you're prepped and ready to go, right? You don't want to have any issues out there. So, it's getting the oil changed in the truck, the uh, service technician says, "Hey, you know, you need to which uh, oil change could be a DIY, right? But I, I, I just didn't have the time, you know, don't have time to run around do all that stuff. So anyway, I was getting my oil changed. Says, hey, have you changed your fuel filter? I said, no, you know, run me a little estimate. Let me know what it would cost. Well, I was like blown away that this fuel filter replacement was going to cost me two hundred and forty-five dollars at the dealership. Yeah, like, nice. Holy Toledo! So I, I was like, hey, no, I'm gonna pass for right now. Just change my oil, and and so I came home and and I YouTubed it up. Dude, I got a fuel filter. It's two fuel filters in my F-350, right? I have a Ford Dually, you know, to carry the camper and everything. And so it's these two fuel filters that need to be replaced, and it's 65 bucks on Amazon. So I buy them, and I YouTube the whole thing. Long story short is sometimes it pays – to be kind of the DIY guy. So For sure. I did I did my own fuel filters and I was so stoked to myself. I was just I was ecstatic because I saved a ton of money, man. I mean I saved like 175 bucks. So yeah, uh, and you have the satisfaction of you know doing it yourself and you feel accomplished, you get a little grease on yeah. your hands, you know. Oh like, yeah. You know, I even yeah. cut you my bring finger out your best man bit. self right there, man. <laughs> Totally, dude. I was bleeding and everything. It was awesome. It was All really right. Cool. Well, the cool thing about that is, is like, you know, there's certain things, for instance, you know, speaking of prep, like I yeah. always try to remember, Kurt, as far as the electronics and the updates, right? Technology, yeah. like I love it when it works, but I'm just not, my brain doesn't think that way. I'm a great user. I'm not, a, I, my brain's not on the other side of that. <laughs> so, you know, generally what I do through the active captain, that makes it easy because I run Garmin's, but I also kind of have my arsenal of boys, you know, that I call Danny Smith, right? We, we've Talked yeah. about him before on here, and then uh, Derek Felton, who's just a whiz, you know. But when it comes to calibrating and getting all that stuff working correctly in the trolling motor and all of those updates that are so critical, it makes it pretty easy as long as you know what you're doing. But there's certain things, Kurt, because I'm not as interested, I guess, because you've got to feel comfortable when you take on DIY. You don't want to be messing something up. So, you know, take like, for instance, let's just say that my Mercury motor, the 250, I'm not going to do a whole lot of stuff on that because I take the cowling off that thing and it's like, I don't even know where to start. It's intimidating. It is. It's intimidating. It is. is. So, uh, I'll do, I do, I do a little oil change in my motor, my, my outboard. I do throw that in there and kind of do the lower gear unit, but I totally get you, man. There's certain things that I'm like, ah, you know, 
hands off or I just don't have all the equipment necessary to clean it up or, or do whatever needs to be done to do the job right. So, you know, sometimes I pass it off, but man, it felt so good when you can take on some of those things and, and complete a quick job and save yourself, you know, 150, 200 bucks. It's like, dude, I'm, I'm going to go buy me a Shimano reel and I'm all even, right? <laughs> Yes, yeah. I mean, and I'll occasionally, you know, do the cleaning and stuff like that on the reel, but I'm kind of with you on that. But YouTube's right. great. Yeah, so great stuff, man. I'm getting ready to head off. The The reason I'm prepping so much, you know, we talked a little bit last time, you know, spring's in the air, things are coming. It's my season is just now starting to kick off. Usually getting kicked off in like January, February this year. Not till, you know, the end of March is my first event. So I'm getting ready to go over to Lake Belton and then, uh, like I mentioned, you know, cruise on over to the James River. So, and then it's going to be back to back right into Mississippi. I'll be fishing the Central Open. So we're going to have tons to talk about for me personally in the fishing department in April as well. So it's going to be really exciting. But, uh, man, we got a great show lined up, Aaron. We got uh, another awesome little Seg B episode. So uh, we're going to bring in the man from Bass Blaster. Y'all stay tuned. Then we're going to talk about pre-spawn and spawn fishing. We're going to dive real deep into how to get on some fish real quick when you hit the water as things start to warm up throughout the country. So y'all stay tuned. A protecttheharvest.com tackle tip coming up right now. This episode's protecttheharvest.com tackle tip with MLF Bass Pro Tour Angler, Bradley Roy. Hey guys, look, in the springtime, you know, you've obviously always got to have a setup or two to pitch and flip shallow cover. You know, those fish are wanting to slide up, get into that warmer water, and they're looking for an easy meal. So the dilemma for me always is jig or plastics. You know, I love to flip a DNL tackle jig. You know, some of the biggest bass I've ever caught have been on a jig, and it's always got to be on my deck when we're talking about that springtime, early springtime year. It is always there and i'm always going to flip a jig but you've got the option of a plastic and the, and the question is when do we flip plastic when do we flip jig for me it comes down to what am i looking for am i looking for more bites am i looking for a bigger bite oftentimes the jig for me is always a big fish bite you know i'm going to get a big fish bite on it if you're around real heavy grass oftentimes jigs are a little more cumbersome uh if you're just around laydowns docks hard cover a jig can can be effective uh, you know, where a plastic could be either or. So it's really a decision you have to let the fish dictate for you. You definitely need both of them on. Uh, if I'm just looking for one big giant bite, I'm probably going to flip a jig all day long in the early spring. But if I'm looking for a good bite, I kind of lean toward plastic. Great tip, Bradley. Brought to you by protecttheharvest.com. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Livewell, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. 
Global Bass Edge Nation. Once again, we bring in an industry sure enough stud to the program. Bass Blast, one of my favorite ways to stay up on the latest news and industry insight. We've got the man himself, Jay Kumar, here for this segment to discuss some recent trends. How about some angler personalities that he encounters on a weekly basis? Jay, I appreciate you hanging with us here on Bass Edge for a few minutes today. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Well, Jay, I know that your millions and millions of, of followers, probably most everybody knows what Bass Blaster is. But for those that maybe uh, are new to, let's just say, Bass Edge Radio, how can our listeners get on your VIP list to uh, not only receive the newsletter, but can you tell us a little bit about what Bass Blaster is and how it came about? Yeah, sure. Uh, the first question is just go to BassBlaster.com and uh, click on sign up and you can do that. Or you can just email us at BassBlaster at BassBlaster.com and uh, say, hey, sign me up. So those are the two ways to get on the list. What it is, man, it's a combination of truly the latest not just news, but like insight, you know, because I'm talking to the pros, I'm talking to the industry people. I've been around the block, as you guys know, for 20 plus years. So there's that insight into what's going on. And um, just, you know, it makes people laugh, which they like. Uh, it's not doesn't take itself too seriously because I don't uh, take myself. <laughs> right. You know? And, uh, you know, and, and a lot of new tackle stuff. Like, I, I don't know if you're going to find out about what's going on in Japanese tackle and swim baits and tournaments all in one place other than what I do. Yeah, it's it's a great platform. I promote it all the time. Love everything that you got going on with there. The awesome posts, Jay, that really intrigue me are all these big fish posts, man. I love seeing all these giant fish that, that you find out about people are catching all over the country. Just to kind of dive in a little bit on your back end about how you you dive into all of this interesting, up-to-date, trending industry news. How do you find out about all these big bass being caught everywhere and the details of how they're caught? Yeah, I mean, uh, in some ways, I don't even know. You know, it just happens. Like, uh, over the last, you know, 10 years or so of doing this, I don't even know how old the Bass Blaster is, but I think it's about that old. There are just places I know to look, and then people, you know, send me stuff like, hey, we caught 29 or 30 or 30 plus pounds in a tournament, you know, had big fish, was a 10 plus, and uh, we caught them on this. And it's like, okay, great, you know. So uh, there's just places to look. And then, of course, everybody wants to know. First of all, everybody loves, you're not alone, Kurt, you know that everybody loves big fish. Yeah. And looking at fish. And then, of course, we all want to know what they caught them on. So I try and chase that down as much as I can. Yeah, it's super cool. You know, uh, just a month or so ago, we had Randy Howell over there in that Bass Pro Tour event, catching some of those monsters in, in uh, uh, West Monroe, Louisiana. I'm sure you got to be uh, tracking now Bussy Break after he caught that 1210, and I've seen some other just freaking monsters coming out of there. I know you've been following what's going on over at OHIV because that seems like it's in the blaster just constantly right now. I mean, is that the craziest thing, how how these fisheries just start pounding out these big fish? Yeah, I mean, you guys have seen it over time. You know, a lake will get hot and they'll, you know, get some big fish coming out there and then another lake will get hot and that's just how it happens. I mean, people talk about, oh, you know, it's live scope and that's making, no, it isn't, you know, like people have caught keen weight fish where they are, you know, able to be caught Texas or Florida or California forever, 
you know, and lakes get hot, got hot without live scope. So it's just the way certain lakes set up, you know, year to year. And, and that's the way it is. Yeah. Great point, Jay. Kind of a life cycle. I can remember, you know, Kurt's home lake there on Amistad. I mean, it, it did that years, years ago and uh, everybody flocked there. Social media makes that a little different. It's, it's a, a certainly a kind of a new addition, I guess, for all to kind of quench our thirst for, for the big fish pictures. But I, I'm curious to know, as you write the newsletter a, a few times a week, what are kind of those one or two trends that you see coming up for kind of the weekend warriors like myself that we need to be sure and capitalize on to catch more fish? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the obvious one is electronics. I mean, that is the trend in bass fishing or maybe all fishing. I don't pay attention to the other stuff, but the live or forward facing sonar is uh it is not going to magically have fish jumping in the boat for you, but it is going to open up the fishing world and your lake in a different way, which is fun. You know, it's fun. I have it on my boat. I stink with it. I still stink as a fisherman. I'm happy. <laughs> but I catch myself looking at things differently and thinking about things differently. And once in a while, I realize I'm staring at the screen for five minutes with a rod in my hand. I haven't even made a cast, you know, because it's cool. So that's a big one. And then, you know, bait wise, I would have to say a couple things come to mind. One is the uh, the Berkeley Max Scent line of baits, which are, you know, red hot. You couldn't even get them for a while last year. It just seems like the fish hang on a little longer. And then uh, one that's still going from a few years now or for a few years now is uh, the whole Ned thing. You know, the smaller baits get more bites and, uh, you know, uh, I think that is a valid way to catch fish, even though you really don't see it on the major tours. They don't really do that. They still stick with the big stuff. So, uh, you know, I still think bass are stupider than we are and we can still catch them <laughs> and lucky for us, you know. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more about the, the Ned Rig deal. Uh, I was actually out with my, my boss there from Hayabusa a, a couple months back, and, and we were catching some fish. You know, it was in the fall, and, uh, you know, we were having a good time. But, man, I saw some fish on my live scope, and, and uh, or you know, I used the active target, but, you know, saw the fish on the live sonar out in front of us. And, and I thought, man, we just need to downsize something. And, and let me tell you, for a weekend angler, that wants to get bit, you know, throwing those smaller baits is definitely the way to go. I mean, it just makes for more fun on the water. We don't all have time to to be out there three or four days beforehand to try to, you know, make some great uh, day of fishing at the conclusion of several days. You know, we, we got a Saturday to go out and spend a few hours, maybe a Sunday to spend a few hours. And, and throwing those smaller baits is definitely a way to just have a lot of fun, get a lot of bites out there on the water. So I think that's a great tip, Jay. And, and uh, awesome to see some of those trends. Best anglers in the world, you talk to them fairly often, Jay. I got to ask you. Now, you've been in this game a long, long time from the ESPN days, having your own television show, you know, all the way through to now, you know, doing this newsletter, which really brings the goods to uh, all anglers a couple times a week. Do you feel like the pros or can you tell like when they're given the real details of how successful they are in the sport with a specific technique or pattern or way that they're using their stuff? Are you are you able to kind of get a feel for these guys? Well, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's a relationship, right? You know, they have to trust me to deliver what they're saying accurately. And I have to trust them that they're not, you know, jacking with me, basically. <laughs> right. uh, 
which they don't do. I mean, you know that, Kurt, fishing at that level. Like, you know, everybody is as honest as they can be within reason. And what I mean by that is, you know, I don't think anybody, with maybe the exception of somebody at the level of like Kevin Dam, is going to give up everything because Kevin has no fear of, you know, right. not being successful or whatever. He's already done everything. Uh, but, you know, any reasonable competitor, you know, and if I was that good, I would be this way, too, would hold something back. I mean, sure. I think, you know, especially if it's something that, you know, you figured out and uh, nobody really knew about yet. Kind of like Jacob Wheeler when he had the three different electronics on the bow. He didn't want to say a word about it, you know, right. and now everybody got that who can afford it uh, or some version of that. And then, um, you know, the, the other part is the baits, the exact baits they use. Now, listen. With live coverage of these tours, everybody sees what they're using. You know, right. there are no and uh but after the tournament is over and I'm getting the bait information from these guys, they they are not allowed to mention, uh, I would say ninety nine point nine percent of them, as you know, can't mention a non sponsor bait. So even if they used it and sure. you saw them that they are not gonna go out of their way to mention that, you know. And uh People like flipping out, like, oh, so and so used this bait. Well, if you know that, who cares whether they said it or not? You know, yeah, yeah. understand how, you know, if the you were raffle, yeah, yeah, if raffle and somebody used, yeah. you know, a different brand of lure, but you're paying that guy who won, you're not paying him to mention a competitor. That's crazy. Yeah. Know? And Jay, you know, you bring up an interesting point is because that's from the inception of Bass Edge, what was it, 2006 or whenever we started this crazy thing. You know, we purposely shied away from lures, you know, partners just because it's like to be able to be credible and kind of, you know, bring the information and the techniques. If we're truly trying to help people catch more fish, we can't necessarily be married to one paying bait company. So I think you bring up a good idea there. Yeah, and I'm I'm the same way in a, in a different way, sort of, you know, like the Bass Blaster that has no sponsor exclusivity, none. So that way... You know, we mention everybody, and as you guys know, I'm mentioning anything that is fun or cool or interesting or valuable, whether they're a sponsor or advertiser or not, because, you know, that's just the way it's got to be. Otherwise, I'm just a shill, and I'm not doing yeah, that. Right. You know? And well, you're Jamie, not either. So. No, absolutely yeah. not. Absolutely not. It's great to hear your insight. Great to hear your your tidbits uh, that you bring to the table. And it's such an entertaining newsletter. Again, that's Bass Blaster. It has it all from fish and comedy to education. Jay, you got anything closing for the listeners today? And please let them know again how to be sure and sign up to get that newsletter delivered to their inbox. Yeah, uh, thank you. Yeah, just BassBlaster.com. Click on sign up or sign me up, whatever it says right there, or email BassBlaster at BassBlaster.com. And the only thing I would say is, uh, you know, with all this talk about electronics and this and that, don't be thinking like you need it or you're not going to catch fish or whatever. A lot of top pros have said that now with all these live electronics, uh, that leaves a lot fewer people fishing the bank. So yeah, right, go, out, right. go out there and fish and you'll catch it no matter what. Absolutely. I, I think of John Cox, all he does is get up on stage and giggle. And, uh, but, but yet he's always catching big bags and, and he's just staring at the dirt 90% of the time. So, so it's pretty, pretty great how you can just kind of lean on those strengths. And, uh, well, Jay, thanks again for being here with us on this episode of Bass Edge Radio. Bass Edge Nutheads, stay tuned 
the featured angler Lucas Oil Spotlight coming up next. We'll be right back. I am MLF BPT Angler Dakota Ebert. I am BASS Elite Series Pro Brock Mosley. I am professional angler James Nigemeyer. This is Bass Pro Shops U.S. Open Champions Logan Parks and Tucker Smith right here on Bass Edge Radio. Know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat. Guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. Aaron, in this episode, we got a Bass Edge veteran in this Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. And we're going to break down some pre-spawn and spawning bass fishing as spring begins to roll through much of the south this time of year. This angler placing the top 10 in both of the last two-year kickoff events of the MLF Pro Circuit. Obviously, that's 2021 and most recently in 2022 at Sam Rayburn Reservoir. Happy to have with us again on the show for the 19th time. No, actually, maybe maybe <laughs> the 10th time. But pro angler Pete Pods, what's up, my friend? Welcome back to the Bass Edge, Mike. Hey, man, I'm glad to be here. Appreciate you guys inviting me. It's been a little while, though, since I got to talk to you guys. I'm excited to get that phone call, but it, it, it has been Pete. Actually, when when I was perusing on who the best angler was to have in this episode, because you know talking pre-spawn and spawn, and your outstanding success the last couple years in this time frame of the year, I noticed <laughs> the last time we had you on was like episode 240 something, and we're into the 370s, and you were. The first interview ever on Bass Edge Radio. Do you recall that? No, I didn't know that. You know, I do remember those days now, but I didn't know that I was the first one. So, you know, what an honor that is, guys, I'm telling you. <laughs> For the record, Pete, um, Kurt is the one that schedules all the anglers, so he is the reason why there has been a 100-episode <laughs> gap. So let, let me just throw that up. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, goodness. that's all right. You know, Pete, like, Kurt had mentioned one of, of Bass Edge's longest established relationships. And, uh, you know, certainly you are a big reason of, of how we have gotten to where we are today. You know, I don't know whether to thank you or curse you for introducing <laughs> me to Kurt. But uh, anyway, uh, we'll leave that for another topic. But what have you been up to since your exceptional performance there to open up the season on Rayburn? Well, you know, basically, Aaron, trying to make hay while the sun shines, you know. I mean, you know, whenever you get the spotlight put on you, um, and you're not expecting it. You really have to work for your sponsors and try to get everything in order and call attention to the techniques that you use that helps you out and your sponsors out because you know without sponsorship, we're all in trouble. Um, so we have to support those that support us, you know, so that's pretty much what I've been doing, you know, just trying to work hard at it and giving them what they deserve, you know. 
Absolutely, Pete. And here to break down, it's this is kind of our pre-spawn spawn special edition, you might call it a Bass Edge Radio, because we're just going to dive straight into the whole process of the fish behavior patterns moving to the pre-spawn and then kind of taking it straight from pre-spawn to the spawn, because a lot of that stuff is already happening down south. And uh, it's going to be happening in, in that Midwestern part of the country, you know, Know, as April kind of kicks through and then even, you know, farther up north as, as we get into May. And, you know, it's it's probably the best time of year to be out there on the water. But there are some things that we can do to uh, put ourselves in contact with these fish. So let's talk about some of the first signs you look for that will be kind of telltale signs that bass are on the move into the shallows during the spring season. Yeah, you know, Kurt, one of the things that I always keep in mind that time of the year or this time of the year for for the guys in the south, you know, is, of course, water temperature. I mean, you know, it's old and it's a cliche, but I'm telling you, the water temperature is so important this time of the year. You know, of course, also I look at the moon phase and things like that. But the first places that I start looking for fish or looking for bass, you know, the northwest corners of which pockets, Anything that that holds heat, you know, it's all relative to water temperature. The, the fish start moving up and become, you know, getting start getting active. And um, I'm gonna stop you right there, real quick, Pete. Yep. Northwest corners of the lake. Go into some detail. Why the northwest corner? What what's going on with the northwest corner? Of the lake? Yeah, you you know, I mean, you, you think about the way the sun rises and sets and so that area is protected you know when you have a front coming in the wind usually turns and blows out of the north and so that north side is protected and then also the sun is shining on that in the evening times which is warming that up you know and like i said that's so important you know that time of the year afternoons for me is so much stronger of a bite than it is in the morning time you know an afternoon bite you know I don't really stress about getting up early and getting out there real early. You know, I go in midday to afternoon and then, you know, check water temperature and things like that. You know, also looking at vegetation for those guys that are, you know, not fishing highland reservoirs that are fishing, you know, more of a flat impoundment. And then I look at the vegetation as it starts to turn green. You know, that's a telltale sign that, that the fish are starting getting active. And then, you know, for shallow water movement on Ross Barnett, I know, you know, a lot of guys have an open tournament coming up on Ross Barnett. And one of the things that I always like to do is get real, real, real shallow and just kind of sit still and look for movement in the water. And as I see movement in the water, then cast to them. You know, the power poles come in handy there. You know, it's just like, you know, and I know I've said this, and I, I believe I've even said this on interviews before. You know, it's just like squirrel hunting when you go out there and you power pole down and you sit there and just like you would squirrel hunting, you go sit down by a tree and then you wait 15 minutes and all of a sudden you start seeing movement. And that's the same thing with bass. So uh, the bass are very, very aware of what's going on that's in their surroundings. I got another quick follow-up, a little, little curveball mm-hmm. right here. Now, I grew up in yeah. Virginia. And, you know, commuting back and forth to work before I, you know, started full-time bass fishing, you know, I was, man, it feels like it's getting more, oh, man, it's cold this morning. But I'm always thinking about what are the bass doing? while I'm driving to work, <laughs> you know, because, yeah, because that, yeah. that was, that was my passion. It was always on my mind. When I saw the dogwoods blooming in Virginia, oh, I knew yeah. that spring was here. You know, it, yeah. bass were moving shallows when the dogwoods are blooming. Now, when I moved to South Texas, we don't have no dogwoods down here. 
<laughs> but it was now where you live. I, you I find out dog, real. Yeah. yeah, no dog was in South Texas. But yeah. what I did find had the same effect was when the yuccas bloom. When I saw the Not yuccas me. bloom, it was just like a dogwood blooming back east. The yuccas mm. bloom. It was man, the bass were moving shallow, and I could tell that. What are some signs that you might see there in Mississippi or Florida or Louisiana? You know, any kind of experiences that you have like that that also trigger that that happens on land or something you see in the springtime that you know the fish are moving shallow? Yeah, you know, the, the telltale signs, of course, like you said, it's dogwoods. I mean, and I think every fisherman follows that rule. You know, watching the trees bud and watching the nature, just paying attention and keep being aware of what's going on. You know, you see some birds down that you that you haven't seen and and there's so many little bitty signs, but just being observed, Kurt, I would say would probably be the best uh, factor in order to realize that in time on the water. You know, those two things right there can tell you. And, you know, and we kind of jumped over a little bit. I know we kind of started out wintertime. Mm-hmm. I want to add this in. You know, when, when you're fishing in the wintertime, you have to realize that you're not going to get very many bites, you know. You're not going to, uh, you know, when you go out there and you catch six or seven fish, you had a good day. Whereas, you know, on up in the spring and the summer, you catch, you know, 30, 40, you had a good day. So it's not the same. So you have to have the right mindset when you're fishing that time of year as well. Yeah, that's good stuff, Pete. And, you mm-hmm. know, I would just throw out, Kurt, you know, forget the red bubs and the, you know, dogwoods and the honeysuckle. I just pay <laughs> attention to my allergies. My head starts hurting, my eyes start watering. It's like, yeah, it's, it's about to get real. So. <laughs> um, That's a great one. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, hey, Pete, you know, those telltale signs that, that you speak of, give me a, a little bit of feedback on, do you pay as much attention to, you know, you, you talked about that northwest area of the lake structure does, does that come into play this time of year or bait or is it just more that hey they're looking to to move in and do their thing you know talk to us about how you break that piece of it down yeah you know as far as baits go i, I like to throw something like a cinco and, and of course you know everybody knows that i throw that cinco wacky style on a you know hayabusa 202 hook the reason i like to throw that bait is because it's really really slow and that makes me slow down and so I've noticed, you know, a lot of times when I'm pre-fishing, I'll talk to my wife on the phone, Kim, and, and uh, there's several times whenever I'm talking to her on the phone that I get a bite, and that tells me that I'm not fishing slow enough. So that bait right there seriously helps me slow down. Another bait that I like to use is, is of course, a, a tight wiggling crankbait such as a rattle trap or, or a, uh, you know, a little Rapala, something like that. That's really, really tight, tight wiggle. Uh, as far as, um, you know, areas and stuff like that, of course, pockets like we were talking about, you know, bluff ends and bluffs for Highland Reservoirs, long points coming out, you know, that type thing. I hope I answered your question, Aaron. I'm not sure that I did. So, well, you know, let me tell you, no, I, that was all good information. I guess specifically, do yeah. you feel that like, let, let's say, laydowns or docks or standing pole timber or grass uh, has to yeah, be present? My, yeah, yeah. Migrational routes is what I'm focusing on and that could be anything from a roadbed to a flat from shallow water to deep water it could be from you know a line of stumps or trees so you have to use your imagination i know one time we did an article uh in bassmaster magazine and we were talking about migrational routes and 
they were using, uh, it was on Grenada Lake and Enid Lake and, and Sardis. And in the wintertime, guys would ride four-wheelers down through there. You know, and they'd ride through the weeds and stuff, and and, uh, and it'd make little roads. And uh, those bass, after the water came up in the spring, the bass would follow those little road beds up. It wasn't anything different, but it was just a mashed down trail, you know. And I found several times whenever I'd find fish doing that. So any kind of migration route, anything you can use for migration route, uh, riprap is a good deal. You really have to use your imagination on that type thing because fish are just, you know, they, they tend to go the same direction and, and all of them look for the same thing like the fishermen, you know. You ever been fishing in a place and you say, man, nobody's going to be in here. And, and you pull in there and you got three boats already in there. And we all think <laughs> just alike. The fish do the same thing. A lot of that's just instinct. So, makes sense. But anyway, yeah. Okay. All right, Pete. Let Let's go back to some of those bait preferences. You talked about, you know, a tight wobbling <clears throat> like a lipless crankbait. You talked about like a a tight wobbling, you know, crankbait like a Rapala. You know, dives a little bit deeper uh, than a lipless. Sure. And then and then you talked about slowing down. You know, with that with that Senko style bait. You know, concentrating right here on the pre-spawn. You know, winter fishing, you got a lot of jerk bait, and you know, fish are yeah. suspended. You know, they they're kind of yeah. more in some suspension mode. And then when they when they enter, and you see those signs, you know, they're moving up shallow into that pre-spawn scenario and kind of following these migration. Yeah. What yeah. kind of bait presentations do you like to use? other than what you've already mentioned to to kind of tackle these pre-spawn fish before they get thinking about you know sure. love yeah, a little it. bit yeah. right yeah you already know what i'm about to tell you but the lawrence active target thing the front facing sonars all aboard marines uh all sync deal is just I, I mean it's changed the game i mean it really has so now i can pull up into a pocket and I can look around, and I can see a brush top, and I can see a fish in it. So I can throw a jerk bait over there, and I can jerk, 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 and falls one, one thousand, two, one thousand. But where I used to do that, now I can actually see the fish moving up, and they'll teach me how to catch them. I mean, mm, them, wow. they teach me what to do. And I'm telling you, those new electronics have changed the game as far as pre-spawn has gone for me personally because. Uh, you, you know, it's just so intriguing to be able to see your lure and to see things, you know. So to answer your question, whatever the fish demands, but most of the time it's a very slow presentation on jerk baits. It's a slow presentation on uh, the tight wiggling crank baits. And, and, you know, wintertime is one of the few times that you can get away with throwing your, your bait out there and cranking it down the riprap and just reeling it very slow. You know, with like a little tight uh, Rapala or, you know, a Bandit 200, you know, just so uh, methodical and it works. Um, it, but now with the front facing sonar, <laughs> dude, you can see them following your bait in. So, you know, what? hey, I need, I need to change something. Right. I need to change colors. I need to do this. I need to do that. And uh, the bass are super, super yeah. aggressive. It's crazy, man. I'm telling you this. Like I said, you guys haven't tried it. You need, you know, you need to look into it. Yeah, it's cool how it's it's really affecting your bait selection and and uh, how quickly you go through bait selection because you see Absolutely. how the fish react. Very interesting, guys. Let's power pole down for a break. Pete, hold the line there. We're going to be right back with more bass fishing know-how on Bass Edge Radio. 
Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio is presented in part by Mercury Marine. Go boldly returning with MLF Pro Circuit Angler Pete Ponds in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil High Performance Marine Products. For oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirements, be sure to visit the BassEdge.com store. It works. Absolutely great stuff, Aaron. Pete, before the break we started discussing and we were into a deep discussion about pre-spawn tactics you you mentioned about that front face and sonar how it really is kind of taken off and really dictate a lot of bait selection but now you know let's move the next behavioral step right for the bass which is which is the spawn spawns begun uh is the live target live scope as effective for you as it was in the pre-spawn what changes and areas will you target as the fish migrate into that next phase to the spawn yeah you you know to answer your question i think the active target will show but but i haven't had it long and i mean i had it last year but i wasn't tuned into it so so this year it's really going to be and, and i haven't reached that you know i'm on the way down you know we're going we're going to be fishing that way down south here pretty soon so uh, you, you know i'm anxious to see the answer to that question but for for now what i would do is go to the shallow bays the shallow water areas like i was speaking about earlier you know green vegetation they like a hard bottom they like uh you know a little gravel boat docks you know usually people put gravel out or concrete out around their boat docks and and, and that's a key area uh, shallow clear water uh, is always a big factor and i'm looking for fish with my eyes and uh you know that that's what i'm doing looking for spawning fish um so of course again that cinco comes into play the the uh you know, the wacky Senko and, and uh, that type thing. So, you know, that, that's what I would be looking for. You know, Pete, I seem to have some difficulty on, uh, I guess, this time of year, meaning right when fish begin to spawn. You know, it just appears mm-hmm. that they don't want to eat as much, or maybe I'm not looking in the right areas. Maybe I need to take a listen to the first half of this interview and go do that. But, you mm-hmm. know, they have the kind of the spring fling on their mind. I know that they can't all be spawning at once. No, Aaron, Kirk can testify to this. I know he's fished a lot of tournaments, and, and a lot of times whenever the, the pro angler is in the front of the boat fishing, you know, for one particular fish, the guy in the back is throwing out wildly and, and catching a lot of fish. Usually he beats the guy in the front, you know, beats his pro. But the reason that is is because, like you said, not all fish spawn at one time. So in front of those spawning flats, uh, is a key area and, and the fish are staging moving up like we were talking about before you know on the road beds and things like that and they're moving to go spawn and they're waiting till you know the, the males get the beds right and the females are kind of out front and, and and so you can catch fish uh, you know staging in front and then after some spawn they move out in a post-spawn and those fish are catchable as well too so you know, not all fish spawn at one time, like you said. I mean, you can't, you couldn't have said it any better. You know, 
Well, interesting there, Pete. You mentioned, you know, sometimes your your buddy in the back has more success than maybe you do on the front because you're so keyed into maybe bass you can see that aren't locked on or bass that are locked on that are difficult to catch. So where does the right strategy come in from a guy with with your experience, uh, you know, several top tens and in pre-spawn and spawn events here the last couple years what is making it so effective for you how are you able to target and what are you targeting specifically to have that success this time of year well of course i'm always trying to focus on catching bigger fish you know in these five fish tournaments that's that's what you need to do and to do that, you use certain type baits. And in this last tournament on uh, Rayburn, I was focusing on a rattle trap. And, you know, I had one or two particular casts that really caught larger fish than others. You know, I mean, I was catching them around the grass and on the, close to the banks and, and using the pumping motion. And But I found that they liked that bait better than they did other baits in order to catch larger fish. Also on riprap, jerkbait, same thing. You know, I caught larger fish doing that. So, you know, I'm hoping that I'm answered your question there. I don't know that I did. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like just dialing in the pattern for you that yeah. that seems to be producing, and and that's based on obviously several days out there on the water. So, so it, right. make, it makes complete sense. I remember last year that you got on some some big fish and. Yeah, we Aaron, go ahead. Keep, yeah, keep I was going to say, rolling. you just kind of read my mind there on the on the frog deal. And before Kurt takes us off to the listener question, I, you know, I really like mm-hmm. Pete to catch topwater fish. I think we all do just because it's so visual and oh, so, yeah. so fun. Yeah. But when when yeah. do you feel the, the best time in the spring is for me to kind of pull that out of the box and, and best chances for me to target fish with topwater? And what scenario should I look for to get that topwater action? Man, one of the key features, you know, is bass fry. When you start seeing fry, that's when you need to start throwing topwater. But, you know, also don't get so set on, okay, I can't throw topwater until after this or after that. Any shallow water impoundment that has cover, close to the surface you know you can throw top water in 50 55 degrees you know water temperature so it's not just later on in the year anymore you know used to we with we everything was set in stone but if you've got cover up you know if you've got if you've got basically a canopy over the top of them then those fish will come up you know and, and i remember a tournament that we fished that i think gary klein was catching some on some water hyacinths that had died and the water temperature was pretty cold. You know, and the fish were up under that hyacinth because the sun was shining on it and it was warming it up. I remember tournaments down at Lake Amistad where the fish were sunning in the top of those uh, weesatch trees, you know, in the top, you know, it'd be 20 feet of water and the bush would come up almost to the surface and the fish were right up top. And that's the times that you can throw those top waters and it's not the conventional, the normal time to throw top water. But to answer your question that you talked about, I bet bass fry would be a good indication. And, of course, I always throw some kind of pawpaw or some type of uh, a little splashing bait you know, with props on it or, or something that makes a little a, a nice little splash there just like the fry would do. That's a really good time to throw topwater, but that's not the only time to throw topwater, you know? Good stuff. Well, I love a good yeah. topwater bite, too. So, uh, uh, yeah. 
anytime I see that shallow cover, I'll be I'll be slinging something up there too, Pete. It's a uh, great tips and uh, good yeah. good information for all the bass edge listeners. And and I got to tell you, Pete, we're going to move into the listener question segment. One of the highlights of the show for me. I really enjoy these. I love to get the feedback from the listeners. That's why I like it so much. This segment is brought to us by Nitro Performance Bass Boats. This question. Pete came from our Facebook page. Doug Crom from Lyman, South Carolina. I think actually that's the hometown of uh, Marty Robinson. I think Marty Robinson. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, Doug says this. He he says, I want to use braid on my spinning rods with a fluorocarbon leader. Not sure how long the leader needs to be. And Pete, let's take this deeper for Doug too. Let's break not only, you know, telling them about how long the leader needs to be, but what size braid do you like to use on your spinning rods to what size leader to, you know, the length and, and whatnot you like to use and, and break this thing down for Doug and the rest of the Bass Edge Nation? Yeah, you know, it depends on the watercolor and, and things such as that as far as how long the leader is. But normally I'll use a 20-pound no-fade braid. I think Vicious makes that. And then I'll tie to an eight pound leader in most situations in the leaders, uh, fluorocarbon, um, and vicious as well. But the length of that is going to depend on what the water clarity is. If, if I'm fishing really clear water, then, then I make a longer leader. You know, I can go up to a five foot leader. And as the, you know, if I want the muddier water, of course, a little bit less, and I'll increase the size of my leader line, not my braid, because the braid's plenty strong enough as it is. Um, the knot I use religiously is called an FG knot. It's not the world's easiest knot to tie, but that is the knot. And if you want to test your knot, I mean, just pull your line until it breaks. And if it breaks in the knot, then you're not tying the right knot. So this FG knot is a knot that whenever we pull, I pull, it breaks, but it doesn't break in the knot. And when you can do that, that's when you know you're tying the right knot you know so um you know that that probably would answer most of the question um i think that uh all that's a variant you know like i said muddier water a shorter leader a clear water a longer leader and and that's the way i do that so So just to clarify that pete long leader you're saying is five foot for you you like about a five foot leader in clear water and how short a leader do you like to use in dirtier water condition well, I can use, you know, an 18-inch leader or something like that and be and be comfortable with that. I try not to get that leader to where when I'm landing the fish that the leader knot is going to be right in my eyelets because whenever that happens, you know, those eyelets put stress on your line, and, and I don't want the stress being on that knot. I just don't want that to happen. So I, I'm aware of that. And then also when I'm making the cast, I don't want to be in the eyelets right there as i'm making the cast as well so i try to get around both of those things you know like i said the fg knot is a long slender knot it goes through your eyelets real well um man it's just a i can't say enough good about that that knot it's since i figured it out then uh, it, it was worth you know going on youtube and looking it up and and learning how to tie it practicing during you know your downtime so it, it's worth every second of it so check that one out 
We'll put it like this, Pete. It's easier to tie than a bow tie. I can tell you that. That took me a lot <laughs> yeah, of YouTubes to figure out how to tie a bow tie. So yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I can tie a bow tie here. <laughs> I have to watch it about I might five have to times. Have some lessons. That's right. So, yeah. Well, interesting yeah. question there, Stephen. And uh, thank you for sending that in. The interesting thing on our part is that you're going to be able to, all that stuff that you're going to need to accomplish what Pete just gave you. Well, guess what? You're going to have the funds to do that with the Midway USA gift card that you're going to be rewarded uh, for having your question chosen here to be answered on the edge. But uh, one thing that you need to do, and that is simply log on to BassEdge.com. Click the Claim Your Prize tab. Let us know that you heard Pete answer your question, or you can email us at support at BassEdge.com, and we will get that Midway USA gift card sent directly to your doorstep once we have your information. Absolutely. And a reminder, keep firing in those questions. Really is one of my favorite parts of the program. Love to get the uh, interaction from the listeners. So please send in your questions. Facebook, Instagram, we usually send out a post at least uh, once, sometimes twice a month, you know, just highlighting it to, to send in those questions for a chance to win that Midway USA gift card. Of course, Midway USA, where they have just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors. Well, Pete, as always, uh, so good catching up with you. Wish we had more time, but always like hanging on the back porch uh, when you're with us on the show. What final thoughts do you want to kind of leave with with Bass Edge Nation? Well, you you know, I've I've thought about this question a little bit, you know, and I would have to say that the thing that I really want to impress upon people, especially whenever we talk about spawning fish and and this time of the year, a couple things, uh, you know, catch and release, you know, let those fish go. I mean, it's bad enough that we're disturbing them, you know, when they're vulnerable, vulnerable. <laughs> but, uh, you know, have a little bit of uh, sympathy, you know, and, and, and release them and, and uh, let them reproduce so we can have fun. You know, our kids can have fun and, and we'll continue this chain. The other thing is, you know, guys, take a second to, uh, you know, if you see a Coke can floating around or trash, you know, pick it up. You know, it's not going to hurt you at all. Pick it up, throw it in the trash. I mean, you know, if everybody did that, we wouldn't see all the trash and stuff laying around in our waters and in our ecosystem and things like that. So, um, you know, be aware of your surroundings and thank the good Lord for what he gave us and take care of it. So, you know, that's, about, that's about all I have. Yeah. Yes, that's uh, great, Pete. Always uh, great conservationist. Important to keep that in mind all the time we're out there in the outdoors. It's awesome chilling with you again here on the show. Best of luck yeah, on Harris Chain. I know that uh, the day that this launches is actually your second day of the event. So uh, just right. taping here right before that kicks off. So uh, we'll be rooting for you down there. Maybe another top 10. Maybe get that big dub. So excited. Yeah, be good. All right, man. I appreciate that. You bet. Y'all stay tuned. Aaron and I are going to return for the closing segment right here of Bass Edge Radio. We'll be right back. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare KeelGuard Keel Protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. 
Also from MegaWare Keelguard, Skegguard, FlexStep Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keelguard. The PowerPole Charge Marine Power Management Station is the most advanced system of its kind available on the market. It does the work of three devices, a traditional battery charger, a charge on the run, and an emergency start system all in one compact unit. The charge lets you run your boat's accessories the way you want to run them by allowing you to monitor and control your power usage through the PowerPole app. It automatically devotes power to the batteries that need it the most for maximum efficiency. The new charge from PowerPole. Power where you need it, power how you need it, power when you need it. Girl, we get to talk to so many interesting people, you know, some new, but certainly uh, some are longtime friends. I could say that about Jay Kumar, but uh, not only does he have a great product, just an industry professional that's been around forever that I have a lot of respect for. You know, like I said, love his product. But three things that kind of stuck out to me that he mentioned kind of as the leading edge, right? What to be on the lookout for the Berkeley Max Scent electronics and the Ned Rig were his kind of top three. Yeah. The Max Sense, interesting. Obviously, you know, huge smallmouth catcher. You got the flatworm and, and, uh, you know, as he mentioned, it's been hard to get a hold of for the last couple of years, quite honestly. But, but then, you know, the Max Sense expanding and, and they have been had it and, and, and continue to expand more products with that scent available for all kinds of plastics that that they provide out there so it's going to be interesting to see how that trend as jay mentions you know infiltrates the the pro tours this year and all the media that we see with that um i think scent in baits in general is really important you know with i, I fish rains baits a lot and and they have a scent to them uh it's a japanese brand and it's got this like crawfish scent you know just get those fish to hold on letter but i do feel like the berkeley as jay mentioned it's a different animal yeah yeah <laughs> i heard totally that uh, Rhonda said that you tried rubbing some of that on you for her to hang on longer <laughs> but it didn't work so i guess i guess it's limited uh, to just just a uh, fish huh yeah yeah you're, you're not kidding but <laughs> I'm gonna, okay i'm not gonna touch that but you're right Rhonda did not like it as much as the bass but uh so anyway i digress into the Pete Ponds chat with, you know, kind of this special, I would call it our special edition, pre-spawn, spawn talk with Pete Ponds. Man, he, he really kind of set the tone in how to, you know, identify that, look, Aaron, yeah. we don't have a lot of time to get on the water maybe. These are the times you need to be out there fishing, and these are the signs you need to look for that tell you to get on the frickin' lake because it's time to catch the best big fish of the year in this pre-spawn time frame, don't you think? I could not agree more. Um, and, and just in general, Pete's knowledge base, again, kind of what I alluded to at the beginning was, you know, both Jay and Pete, just longtime veterans, uh, friends of, of the project, friends of ours. I just think Pete is so well-spoken. And you can tell before he responds, it's not just like these are, you know, keyed or candid answers. A couple times he's like, I don't know if I answered your question, you know. Right, 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 right. Yeah, he's he's trying to bring all the, all the juice right into the project, and, uh, and he does that every time. I'm going to watch some more YouTube videos because, uh, as I mentioned opening this episode, the DIY thing, I'm – you know, I'm just building a garage here, Aaron, 
as as you know, I'm almost almost finishing up here, and uh, it's it's been a long project because it's kind of an apartment with a garage all all together. But uh, I'm gonna have the opportunity to watch more YouTube and do more of my own service, not only on my truck and boat, but all things. Yeah, yeah. On. Well, one thing I would encourage I'm you, excited. I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on just like I did with you know we were talking about the storage system for the garage. Here's another right? one that I was tipped off on was the four-wheel dollies. They're car dollies, but you can actually put them, slide them under your wheels of your bass boat, and you can roll it around anywhere in your garage. And no they're way. fantastic. You can go to Harbor Freight. Harbor Freight is not a partner of ours, but they sell them for like 150 bucks each, and it's fantastic. It's one person, I can take my 21-foot Nitro XL and move it anywhere I want to within there by myself. So uh, no way. get you a set of those, Kurt. But More garage tips. Thank you so much. Yes. I appreciate it. Yes. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> we need to let everybody go. Uh, March 15th, episode 372 is now a wrap, and uh, we look forward to April Fool's Day to be with everybody again. Oh, yeah, Uh-oh. that's right. Hopefully, uh, you'll be on the road and uh, someplace fun catching some bass. In the meantime, be sure to stay on all things Bass Edge through our website, BassEdge.com, and social media. For Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin. Thanks so much for taking time out to be with us here on Bass Edge. We'll see you next time. So long, everybody. is presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com and be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Midway USA, Mercury Marine, PowerPole, and Transport Graphics.